0: and welcome to the latest episode of the spiders talk podcast it's david blair callum sure and enzo tamanini once again with you full of plenty of festive cheer and certainly in my case plenty of festive spirits uh very much enjoying this time off of course a merry christmas to everybody that celebrates it that is listening i hope you've all had an absolute belter uh callum how was your christmas
1: hi uh, Merry christmas everybody. um but yes it was it was excellent. thank you very much. um as always ate far too much food, drank a wee bit too much um and slightly feeling the repercussions a couple of days later. but aside from that, all good, all good um no disasters with the cooking uh, thankfully so all of all of that came relatively unscathed. My brother had these traditional Entire tray of stuffing to himself because he's not a fan of the, the turkey. But yeah, yep, all good. What about yourself, Enzo?
2: It was fine. I mean, it was it was it was quiet. It's been a quiet few days. Spent a bit of time with my family, and, and other than that, I've just been chilling. I'm I'm not particularly fussed about Christmas, but any time I can get off work, I'm not going to complain about. Although, unfortunately, I'm actually back tomorrow, so I didn't get as much as um, as much as what I think the both of you have, have had off. But it's been good. I, I can't complain too much.
0: Yeah, I'm off right the way through. Just to rub it into you and, of course, everybody else is maybe not quite as fortunate, I'm off right the way through until after the new year, so perks of the job, isn't it, Cal?
1: Aye, working for the man.
0: Yeah, it certainly is, but we will get stuck into what we've got to talk about. There is, of course, plenty still going on after... The postponement of the Morton game, we eventually got back into action last week on uh, Friday evening up in Arbroath. A little bit of news to catch up on about our current playing situation and where we're going to be playing in the near future. And of course to look ahead to the 2nd of January derby against Partick Thistle. So let's go back to Friday away to Arbroath in the Championship. Calum and Enzo, you both made the trip up. I um, I unfortunately didn't take the chance with potentially missing the last train back home. Uh, I did that after Cove and it was a, a fair whack in a taxi and I was not chancing that on the 23rd of December. How was the trip? First of all, before we talk about the actual game and of course the condition itself, how was the uh, the journey up?
1: Oh, it was class as always. I think, I think our growth is definitely... Sealing its uh, position at top. Well, we've not done Morton yet, but for me, it's sealing its position at the the top of the away days. For me, I think it's it's brilliant. The weather was tragic. It was pure annoying as well because I was looking at it all week, and I think I said in our group chat a couple of times. I was like, "This looks like it's going to be all right. It's going to be all right." And it was bloody awful. It, the, the weather was so bad, and where we we're positioned as the away fans, it was directly in your face as well. But in a way, kind of added to it, and it's kept. Pretty fitting, our broth Friday night Scotland Christmas time. So um, yeah, it was it, it was an excellent away trip. And yeah, again, I know I mentioned it uh, in, the, in the last episode. The steak and black pudding pies were uh, up to up to standard as always. So can't complain.
2: I've always liked our broth away, and, and it's definitely not disappointed this season. Friday night was possibly, I was going to say it might have been my favourite trip of the season but I really enjoyed Wraith Rovers as well, uh, either way the weather was obviously, as Callum touched on there the weather was a bit, a bit rubbish unfortunately and I think you could see it I haven't I haven't seen the stream, so I'm not sure if it showed the away fans very often on the stream. But there's a couple of pictures going about of the Queens fans behind that goal, and you could see that we're all kind of huddled up towards the back of the terrace to try and keep dry and and uh, and away from the wind. But aye, uh, it was absolutely brilliant, and obviously the result in the performance, as always, helped towards uh, towards our enjoyment. But um, great great trip. Yeah, you
0: could definitely see, is I had the stream on, I had my feet up in my, my nice warm house, a couple of cans in my hand, and uh, yeah, watching the game on the big telly, but you definitely seen a few shots of the Queen's Park fans, as you say, hiding as far back up in that stand to get a bit of shelter as possible, but of course, thankfully, there were a few trips down to the front wall to... To celebrate and to have a bit of fun, so let's get into the game and talk about a few of those instances. First of all, of course, though we will run through the Queen's Park starting eleven. There were a few changes from the previous game, which was, of course, back in the uh, the SBFL Trust Trophy against Montrose. So, starting lineup was as follows: in goal, Callum Ferry; the back four of Davidson, Kilday, Fox, and Robson; Thompson and Boateng. Then it was Longridge, Savory, Thomas. And Simon Murray. So yeah, there are of course, as I say, a couple of changes there. Uh well, three in fact. You had Davidson. Jack Thompson coming back in after getting a rest against Montrose. And a, a, I suppose a bit of a surprise start for Longridge. It's, it's his first start in quite a while. Uh, you had uh, Alex Bannon, Jason Smith dropping to the bench and McPake was out of the uh, the entire team and, uh, for whatever reason. But I believe it was illness, I think, was, was quoted for that. So, a, um, Enzo, you first in terms of the, the start in the living. I say there was a bit of a surprise perhaps with Longridge coming in. But did you have any complaints, any, any concerns at that point?
2: Um I was yeah, Longridge was definitely a bit of a surprise because we've not seen a whole lot of him this season and, and if I'm being honest, when we have seen him he's not looked up to much. I I don't think he's a player that's going to be sticking around for much longer, but I, I suppose whilst this year it's good that we got a bit of utility out of him uh with uh with McPake not being in the lineup at all. Other than that, it's exactly what I would expect. The 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 main three targets up front, because we do have three main targets up front now is uh, what you always want to see starting with this with squad. And then the defence is as solid as I think we've got right now, midfield with obviously Thompson and, and Boating, Yeah, it was, it was... I think the team honestly pretty much picks itself these days.
1: Yeah, the only thing that you could really maybe say... Well, my expectations were that if, uh, once I heard that McPake was out, I thought you maybe would have... Stuck Grant Savory out in the right and put Jarrett in behind the striker because we've seen that before. But Savory's playing so well, and frankly, what's the point in that? Because he went and scored two goals. So clearly, the uh, professional football manager knows a wee bit more than I do.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, you're, you're absolutely right. You're, you're not going to be dropping him right now. And the form that he's had all season, uh, he, he kind of dropped a little bit when he was when he had that wrist injury, but he certainly seems to be back to full strength. And yeah, absolutely firing right now. So. Into the game itself, we started with the the wind behind our her, behind her backs. Um, I mean, let's just take another minute to talk about that wind and also how it impacted the game, because it was particularly the first half hour or so. Um, we took a wee while maybe to get used to those conditions, but at the same time, you maybe would have expected Arbroath to be a little bit more used to it, maybe use it a bit more to their advantage. They they even struggled with it. It was It was that bad. It wasn't just the wind, it was the rain as well, wasn't it? It was brutal.
2: It was definitely it. It had a huge impact on the way I think both teams approached the game and obviously we made sure to try and keep it on the deck as much as possible. I know that that's just our play style anyway but I'm, I'm certain that Coyle had told the guys not to lump it up as far as they could possibly help anyway because you just there's no way of controlling it with, with the wind and rain and, and weather in general being like that. Whereas I don't think... And, and I, know, I know this sounds a little bit strange because our both are probably a little bit more used to it than what than what we are because they well, it's their home ground, and I know that the weather's not always that bad. But you'd think that they would have learned how to take advantage of it, and they really looked as though they were badly struggling with it, which I think is a little bit unusual.
1: Yeah, it's it's a strange one. I actually think, in some respects, that was one of our more impressive performances of the whole season because you're right, David. We did we did start slow. In terms of getting into the game, but we did have a few chances, and I was concerned in the first half that we got in at half time nil nil or even one nil. Just I, th- I thought with the wind going against us in the in the second half, it would be really really difficult. But the way that we played both in the, the tail end of the first half and the entirety of the second half was just hugely impressive. We got the ball on the deck for the the entire time, and once we settled into it, we were just dominant. To be perfectly honest, it kind of looked like a game where it was simply. Our players were better than them on pretty much all areas of the park. I don't think our growth looked overtly terrible at any point, um, but they just didn't have the same quality that we did. And some of the link-up play and the conditions that we were in was was fantastic. So, yeah, fair play to the guys for battling through in that in that weather.
0: Yeah, it's a good point, especially about when we were getting up to, you know, the 35-40 minute mark and we still hadn't found that first goal. I mean... I- I'll certainly admit that I was a little bit concerned about if we hadn't managed to find that first goal in the first half, uh, sort of settle the nerves down a little bit and and get over that, yeah, sort of slow start. It was a concern of mine going into the second half that maybe, again, you know, with Arbroath having the wind, of course, it never really transpired like that. But at the time, I I was definitely concerned that if they had the wind behind them and stuff, they would eventually use it a little bit better. Uh, Do you think that perhaps them maybe not taking advantages of the... The conditions, perhaps, is maybe maybe we're expecting a little bit too much there because it's just it was that difficult to play uh, on a night like that. Do you think them not maybe using it to their advantage as much as we think is perhaps just inherent of the number of issues that they seem to be having this season?
1: Yeah, they're a side that's low on confidence, and you can see that they've not got the quality up front that you would expect, and. In, in this division really um, and that's that's troublesome for them and the, the conditions were like so bad it wasn't just like use the win to your advantage it was like if you took the ball off the deck and it, it was away and we've seen that plenty ourselves in the first half I think they're just going to be perennially struggling it, I have from what I've read online though it does sound like they're kind of getting ready to make a raft of signings in January but as I mentioned before when we were talking about our growth, how many do they need? Do you know what I mean? Is it is it just a striker, or is it a wee bit more than that? Because I thought they were all pretty average in a lot of areas. So it'll be it'll be interesting to see what they do come the transfer window. But I think um, I think it's just a quality gap at this point.
2: Yeah, I, I think you're right, and uh, I know that obviously Aki's are, are a few points uh, below them at the bottom of the table. But I still wouldn't be totally surprised to see a growth dragged into. A pr- they are in a relegation battle, but it wouldn't shock me if they still finish bottom as well. Um, and it, like you mentioned there Callum they don't really have any goal scorers but it's not just that it's absolutely not just that I think they lack any real creativity especially in the middle of the park and obviously they took a risk it maybe it shouldn't have been as big a risk as what it's turned out to be when they when they presumably spent a reasonable amount of money to pay Scott Allen to come in and, and he's not really done anything for them so far other than get a red card against Thistle I think that was um, that's, that's not paid off and that'll be eaten into their budget as well so that could potentially even have an impact on the sort of players that they are able to afford in January although i suspect they'll be looking to the loan market rather than rather than you know outright buying players or or even picking up any free agents um they'll be maybe maybe looking at guys that aren't getting a game in in the premiership up here maybe kind of championship league 1 down south but i just i think they're going to struggle and and i, I think they're going to really struggle to turn it around for the rest of the season there's just a few a few things that if I were an approval fan wouldn't give me any confidence even we things like dick Campbell's interviews to be fair i thought he was quite reasonable against the game after the game the other night he he, he gave us a lot of credit and he, he admitted that they just weren't good enough but i've watched a few of his interviews this season and i think he's getting a little bit frustrated and you just kind of wonder if in general there's a wee bit of sort of unrest at the club and uh, i i think it's going to be i think it's going to be really really tough for them to turn this season around
0: to be difficult for them to make a decision on Dick Campbell as well. You would think that a lot of teams might try and, you know, change a manager and change things up like that. But there's so many not not just in terms of like the length of time he's already been there and obviously the success last season, but it's even down to the point where the stories are that he's actually paying or he's contributing financially quite a bit towards, you know, some of the like the wage budget and, and things like that around the club. So he's a really big part of that club now. And if they were to make a decision that would be huge. And maybe they're just not ready to do that yet.
1: It's a really, really difficult one, isn't it? I mean, regardless of what you think about that Campbell as a person and as a manager, he has he has essentially led that club to overachieving. In my opinion, I don't think anyone thinks that our both would be near the top of the championship last season, competing to get to, into the SPL. So he definitely buys himself time in that respect. And. I think a lot of clubs have like a, a sort of natural equilibrium in terms of where they should be in the in the league setup, and I, I think they're probably above that right now. I don't necessarily think that they would be a a league one side, but I'd, I'm not sure that they're an upper end champion side, championship side going forward. So it's a, it's a tough one. But as with every club, with success breeds expectation, and it'll be the same with us. Do you know what I mean? If we suddenly tanked in the second half of the season, you'd be you'd be disappointed with it.
2: I've heard a few rumours that, to be fair, a both are quite well off as a club. It's just a case of yeah, who, who does that money actually belong to, and, and do they have access to, it? and and also where their priorities lie? Do they want to? Do they want to spend money to maybe just finish seventh instead of eighth or ninth? Do you know what I mean? Like I, I know that obviously if you finish ninth, there's a there's there's a risk that you could get relegated through the playoffs, and that will cost you money in the long run as well. But I don't know, because this or both team would probably be competing in, in League One as well. So it's, they're in a bit of a... It's a difficult situation, and I think this kind of comes with the territory of being a part-time club in the Championship too, where you're just... It's a slightly awkward situation to be in.
0: Yeah, I think you're absolutely right, and um, I suppose time will only tell if they're able to bring themselves out to it in terms of what they do in January, and... And beyond, uh, I think, I think we can tell, I think between the three of us, we do have a little bit of a soft spot for our growth in terms, of, I mean, I just always love the trip and stuff like that, but uh, yeah, enough about them, let's move on and actually talk about the good stuff for Queen's Park on uh, on Friday night there, because the first half hour was a little bit tough, but things kind of sparked into life, the first sort of real good chance was uh, Jack Thompson, I think it was maybe around about 40 minutes or so into the game, and there hadn't been too much going on, but Simon Murray nicked the ball off of, I think it was Thomas O'Brien, the Arbroath centre half, like right on the halfway line, um, and charged through on goal. Thompson comes steaming in down the middle with a supporting run. Simon Murray cuts the ball back to him, he's about 12 yards out or so, like right in front of the keeper, and you're expecting him just to run on it and hit it first time. He takes a touch, he tries to stand the keeper up, takes another touch gives the keeper too much time to get himself set and um, unfortunately squanders what what was a pretty good chance. You maybe expect him to do a bit better there and I think, Callum, like it was yourself when you know, we were texting each other during during the game, you made it the point that for all the great improvements that, that he has made over the last sort of 12, 18 months or so, doesn't find the back of the net an awful lot and maybe that's something he still needs to work on.
1: Yeah, I think so. Um, it's not necessarily... Uh, a criticism as such, because I don't, I don't think that someone in that position in midfield, the sort of deeper playing role, there's an expectancy for him to get a huge amount of goals in a season. But it's actually more just because of how well he's done to get himself get himself into so many good goal scoring positions, and that's another prime example of it. Like it's a fantastic run from, from Thompson to get into that plays good cut back from Murray, um, and I think it's a bit of his game that if it does improve, it just creates a ceiling even higher from him. He's playing at such a good level now in comparison to where he was a season or so ago. Um, and if he was able to add a few more goals to it, then it's then it, I, I doubt he'd be here for a particularly long time.
2: Yeah, I mean, does he does he necessarily need to add that aspect to his game? I suppose, as you say, that could be the thing that elev- elevates him from being a fantastic championship player to playing at a much higher level. Yet again, he's still young, so so that could come. Maybe that's something that he is working on in training. But his contribution is so massive that it doesn't. The fact that he's not scoring often doesn't detract from his, you know, how important he is to this team. So I was I was a little bit disappointed that he didn't take that chance. Definitely, but it's not something that it's not a massive concern to me at all.
1: Yeah, and 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 definitely like I totally agree with that. I'm I'm more just commenting on the fact that he gets himself into so many positions that you good positions that you wouldn't expect from that sort of um position, that kind of defensive midfield role that it's it's like it's impressive that he gets himself into those positions. But I don't think for a normal defensive midfielder you would be expecting them to be um getting himself so many good opportunities. And that's all credit to him for the work that he's been putting on.
2: Yeah, definitely, totally agree with that. Thankfully,
0: though, that chance did kind of spark us into life and it was then a total of maybe 20 minutes or so of football either side of half-time where we absolutely turned it on and and we got the first goal just a couple of minutes later. Uh, The original shot was actually from Simon Murray in the box. It was after some good work by uh, Davidson down the right-hand side. Murray's shot was blocked. It bounces back out to Dom Thomas, who kind of cuts back inside into the box, brings it in, I think I think his shot might take a slight it either bounces off the ground like a nice wee bobble or it goes off the leg of O'Brien again, who almost gifted sort uh, of gifted Simon Murray the ball to create the Thompson chance earlier. It looks like he maybe deflects it past the goalkeeper. However, who cares? It's in the back of the net. It's one 0 and it's another Dom Thomas goal.
2: It definitely did take a deflection, yeah. But listen, Thomas's goal contribution recently has the number of times he's put the ball in the back of the net is outrageous. Like, he's, he's he's a constant threat now. And this is another one that we talked about earlier on in the season, saying, oh, he does so much hard work, he's so exciting to watch, he's involved in so much of the attacking play, but he doesn't score too often himself. And now, he's scoring every week for fun. So, um, yeah, it's just that, again, that's elevated him to that that next level again. And, and I know we're going to move on to, to the other goals and, and and the other players that scored those goals, but at the minute... We have three players who are just utterly on fire and, and, and love putting the ball in the back of the net and, and it's so exciting to watch. Yeah, Obviously, you know who the other two are and we're going to move on and talk about them, but um, I, I just I just love watching Savory, Morris, um, Savory Murray and Thomas play together. They're, they're, they're fantastic, an absolute joy.
1: Yeah, I think that's uh, the correct term, an absolute joy. and It's all down to the confidence, isn't it? Because like with Dom Thomas, that goal gets a wee bit of luck, fair enough. But he's just in that mindset of I can score goals. And every time he goes forward, he's either trying to make that decisive pass, which he he, he does a lot of the time. He's I think he's sitting second in league for assists currently. Um, or he, he's having the pop shot for it. And that's that's your reward. Do you know what I mean? If you if you don't take those shots and you're not going to get anything from it.
2: And the fact that's it, and that's exactly it. He is willing to take a shot from whatever, because we saw we saw through in Kirkcaldy as well. Uh, both of his goals, I think, were deflections there too But that's because he's getting into these dangerous Situations, and he's willing To, to, to give it a shot, he's willing to take a pop at it And, and it's working for him Absolutely, so I'm more of the same
0: Yeah, absolutely Long may that continue Then moving on, as you say, to another one of these Players that absolutely loves banging it into the back of the net As, of course, it was 2-0 Just before, I think it was like first half injury time And it was Simon Murray It all starts from A shocking Abro free kick Like, when you watch the highlights back, I've not a clue what the player's trying to do. You can't even blame the wind for that. Like, he swings his leg at it and the ball just rolls along the ground. I have no idea what's going on there, but... Abro get the ball back, try and work it into the box. It's actually, uh, I think it's like a shot or a pass on the edge of the box is blocked by Leekal Day. And he comes striding out the box with the ball... Gets up to the just crosses a halfway line, and plays a lovely little pass through to Simon Murray, who's beat the offside trap. And when you're watching him running through on goal, as I was watching it obviously from the stream, right the cameras right behind him, the entire way through the, the Arbroath half, you knew there was only one result that was happening there, and he was curling
2: it round the keeper into the back of the net. And some excellent celebrations, Enzo. Oh, I mean, listen, as you say there, see as soon as that ball was through to Murray, and by the way, it was a fantastic pass. I don't think he's had enough credit for that. It was a fantastic, fantastic ball through. But see as soon as Murray picked up and started running towards the goal, you knew he was going to score. And this is something that has been a massive part of his improvement over the past six to eight months or something like that. The absolute confidence that like, there was no other outcome. That ball was going to be hitting the back of the net 100%. And this is this is not what he was like last season. Last season, it would have taken him at least five or six chances like that before he did bury it. But now he's so clinical. That's him up to what ten goals in the league plus a couple in the in the cups as well. And uh, as you say, yeah, fantastic celebrations as well. Right at the fans, giving us all a big cuddle. Um, it was oh, it was it was excellent. It was uh, at that point it was just like because the early stages of the game you're wondering you're going, Oh, this is gonna be a little bit closer than what they're both fans anyway, because they're both fans were so negative with the game going into it. I was thinking this is going to be a wee bit closer than what they were expecting. But, you know, once we went one up, you knew you knew that we were going to win. And when we went two up, we thought, right, okay, this is gonna be this is going to be three or four as well. And uh, just fantastic. The, the the goals were great and the confidence and the way that we're playing, it's just it's absolutely brilliant. And then the the positive kind of relationship with the, the players and the fans, they are absolutely loving it, by the way. You can see the team spirit. They, as soon as they do score these goals, they're straight over to us. And it's just the feel-good factor is there. And it's, it's such a great thing to be a part of right now
1: yeah it's 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 brilliant and i mean nobody was happier than you enzo when uh, you came back away from that goal after getting a big hug directly from simon murray because i think it was My. yourself where the the initial embrace was with and you you, <laughs> only, you looked utterly ecstatic it was like christmas had came early but you're totally right in what you're saying simon murray of a season ago doesn't score that goal and there was absolutely no doubt but fantastic from Kilday to make the pass through it was a lovely pass Murray holds his, his line really really well. Um, I think the Arbroath. I don't know if it was our left back, but um, he played them on side by quite a margin. So um, no, it was it was great and a, a good quick counter attack from from a, a mistake from Arbroath.
0: Enzo's had a hug off Simon Murray during the game. I got a hug off him after the the playoff victory and the celebrations there. Callum, we need to get you standing down the front wall of the next away game, and we need to get a bit. I don't know. We need to bring a cardboard sign in for you, big arrows pointing towards you, so that you get one as well. We can tick all three of us off. I
1: think I, I think I got, if I remember <laughs> from what I can remember of that night, I think I got uh, a hug off of him when we got promoted. But uh, yeah, that that night's a wee bit of a blur to me.
0: So there was a lot of hugs going about that night I'm sure <laughs> um, yeah so that those two goals right at the towards the end of the set uh, the first half sorry uh, that took us in half time 2-0 up feeling a lot better than we did with the first half hour we looked like we, we'd certainly gotten over that, that sluggish start gotten over the, the worst of the elements and well as Andrew says from that point onwards there was only going to be one result we were going to go on and score 3 or 4 that's exactly what we did the first one well, both of them were Grant Savory, but let's talk about the first one. May have just said a couple of minutes ago about how Jack Thompson, I ah, can maybe do a little bit better in goal scoring. Talking about the position he gets himself into, he picks up the ball. I think it's a, a, a clean from Kilday, clears a, a cross that comes in. Thompson picks it up on the edge of the box, skips past two challenges, and then plays in Simon Money who then releases, in, uh, releases the ball inside to Grant Savory with another absolutely lovely finish, and yeah, 3-0 around about the 50 minute mark or so there or thereabouts. Game over.
1: Yeah. Again, Murray involved. Am I right in saying that Murray was involved? So he scored one. Is it three assists for Murray?
0: I believe he was credited
1: with the three assists, yeah. My goodness, that's nonsense, isn't it? But yeah, this one this one was about Grant Savory, to be fair. Thompson did really, really well as always. Murray does nice, but the the sort of close control from Grant Savory to Jink away and then just a simple pass in at the bottom left hand corner. Our bookkeeper's right-hand corner, sorry, um, was was great, and Savery just had a fantastic game all round. Every time he got the ball, it was real quality. It was real driving forward, and he just looked considerably better than most of our Broth players. It was, it was. I was just thinking, I, f- I forgot we didn't mention that there was no Gast in this game. If you remember the last time that we played our Broth, he made that. Was it? Was it the last game when he made that absolutely ridiculous save when we were down there? Or was it that
0: was the one? The, of, it, was the view, it? it was at Ockle
1: View, wasn't it? Aye. aye. So I wasn't I wasn't disappointed to see him out the lineup. I don't know if he was injured or whatnot, because we were in the, the pub before the game and speaking to quite a few our broth fans and they were uh, a wee bit upset when they seen the team line. So I doubt it was uh, I doubt it was expected.
2: I I think uh I think Gaston made a couple of good saves when we were up there earlier on in the season as well. As you say, there was that one that, that was Outrageous at Oakville, but I'm sure he made a couple of really good saves in the um in the first fixture up there earlier on in this season too. And, and I was, I'm not gonna lie, I was slightly relieved to see him not start. I don't I don't know what the reason for it was either, but to be fair, and I can't remember the name of the guy who filled in for him, so I'm sorry about that, but um he didn't really I can't really remember him doing anything wrong. He wasn't at fault for any of the four goals, so it would be hard to criticise him for, for stepping up there. And, and you know, The defence was a wee bit, wee bit slack at times, I think, but I, I, I can't really think of any, anything that he did wrong himself.
0: No, I don't think... The, the keeper certainly wasn't at fault for any of the goals. Um, and he had a couple of saves during the game as well. Um, no, he, he certainly wasn't the problem. If We talked about maybe they didn't have... a a lot of quality maybe across the park or both it certainly wasn't the fault of the keeper he, he really he was wanting hiding with the, the 10 that were in front of him unfortunately
2: yeah i think that's fair
0: so then yeah so we then continue into the the second half obviously the wind blowing into our faces um we used we used it so much better as we said earlier on just got the ball down particularly in the second half just kept the ball on the deck using the wind actually a few times to, to hold the ball up and get some lovely passes in behind the Arbroath defence. We actually had two or three good chances before, once again, Grant Savory scored, made it 4-0, and, yeah, well, 3-0 was game over, 4-0. Um, the the poor commentators on Arbroath TV, they were, uh, I mean... I'll be honest. I I did quite enjoy some of the rubbish chat. Um, you know, it was just two old boys that clearly are both fans. It's almost like they may, in fact, they may as well have stayed in in Tutties. And many a time throughout the commentary, they were talking about how they wish they were in Tutties with a a grey goose, as the guy kept saying. <laughs> but um, they absolutely, um, they were absolutely fed up when it went to four nil. Um. Reminded me of the you know the and the Muppets, the the two old the two old Muppets that are up <laughs> in the balcony in the theatre. That's exactly what they were like. Old Statler and Waldorf. They were just mumbling away and just talking utter nonsense. But it was a great lesson. But unfortunate for them, 4-0, they were furious. It's not not a surprise really. Um it was another I think that was a Simon Murray shot at the edge of the box. Again, it was good play, getting the ball up to Dom Thomas. He gets it into Simon Murray. I Murray has a shot and it's sort of deflected and it actually goes towards Savory, who had Stands the ball up, and by the time he hits the shot, he actually has three or both defenders in front of him. Still squeezes it into the bottom right-hand corner. Another great finish, and yeah, that was it. the The, the home fans started leaving at that point. Yeah, I mean,
1: four nil, four nil down in that kind of weather. There's not much incentive to stay, is there? Um it was another it was another good goal. I think our both were just they were done at that point. I was actually kinda surprised to see their the substitutions because at sixty minutes they took Bobby Lynn off and he was the only one that looked in any way inventive at any point in the game. He had a really, really good run at one point through our defence and had a decent shot, which I think Robson cleared with his backside off the line, if I remember correctly. Um so I was kinda surprised to see that given the kind of lack of creativity in their squad, because I don't think Shanks when he came on I didn't yeah, I didn't see too much from him. But yeah, good good goal and sealed a, a nice win despite the unfortunate conceding at the end.
0: Yeah, very quickly. Obviously, Arbroath did make it um 4 1 with virtually the last kick of the ball. A corner swung in, um, using the, the win to their advantage finally for the first time in the game, and as see, I think that was like the 94th the minute or something like that. It hits it goes to the back post and it looks like I don't know if it's an up-road player that gets a foot to it and gets it back across goal, or if it's, or if it's one of our defenders. But either way, it's it's then put back across the box and it's nodded in from about the half yard half yard line, if there is even a line there, right in front of Calm Ferry by um, Fosu. So yeah, it didn't keep the clean sheet. We had a a right good spell where we used to complain about conceding from corners every single week. We've been pretty good recently. Shame not to keep the clean sheet, but didn't really matter, did it?
2: No, it doesn't, it doesn't make any difference at all in the end. I mean, obviously I'm sure Ferry would have, would have loved to have kept another clean sheet because he's had a few recently uh, and I suppose that's, that's had one goal of a difference on our goal difference but that's, that's one thing that I wanted to highlight, by the way because obviously a few weeks ago, well, I probably probably should be going back a little bit further than that, but even when we were kind of fourth in the league our goal difference wasn't great because there was a couple of games after that aired game and that... that um, the defeat up at Den's Park as well, I think we were still in the minus goal difference, despite the fact that we were still doing okay, but we've managed to totally turn that around now. And it's... Uh, listen, the, the, these things could make a big difference come the end of the season, so aye, that's, that's brilliant to see that we've managed to turn that around, and that's us now, what, plus, plus nine overall? Plus nine, isn't it?
1: Yeah. It is, yeah. aye.
2: Aye. And I, and I think we've, you know, we, we've scored one of the... Our goals scored must be one of the highest in the league. Unfortunately, our goals conceded is pretty high as well, but... Um, I'm I'm not too fussed about conceding goals when we are going to be scoring as many as what we are anyway. So fingers crossed that can continue.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And we'll we'll come on and talk about the league table very, very shortly. But as I say, that our goal did make it 4-1, and that is how the game finished. Um your man of the match from the game. Uh there's probably a good few candidates, but I think one's gonna stand out. Um,
2: Enzo, you go first. Um I think I gave my man of the match to Grant Savory on the bus on the way back and I I'll give it to Savory again.
1: I'm gonna give it to I'm gonna give it to Simon Murray because a goal and I know some of them weren't necessarily direct assists, but again, I think he was just so involved in the game throughout. Savory was absolutely brilliant and I actually gave Savory the man of the match on the bus as well. Um, for his two goals, but even when you're just watching back the highlights, the amount of work that Simon Murray does and again, you've seen that drop off when he came off the pitch in terms of the presence, so um, I'm going to go for Murray
0: I'm going to agree with you, Calum, I'm going to give it to Simon Murray, and that'll side it in his favour, as you say, there may not have been direct assists, but an involvement in all four of the goals and still create a couple of chances throughout the game as well, and yeah, once again, you, you, you do notice how how different we we sort of set up and how differently we, we play when he's not on the park. It's perhaps getting to the point where we're going to have to be concerned about what the future may hold because he was only on a one-year extension in the summer. Oh, don't do that. Well, we're going to have to talk about it soon because, of course, the window opens in a few days' time. And do you think, I mean... Everybody's going to see what he's up to so far this season you know he's going to have brought attention to himself i'm sorry to say it but right right okay right now you're right okay we
2: won't talk about it again just now we'll, we'll, we'll forget that happened no we'll no talk- no hold on let's let's touch sure? on it let's touch on it briefly right Get it out of the way so murray regardless you're right that so the the concern is obviously potentially clubs picking him up on like a, a pre contract given that he is he is only here until the summer officially, but there's absolutely no reason, there's, there's no reason we would let him go in January. Like, why would we do that? So, I think he's going to be here for the rest of the season, 100%. And I feel fairly confident in saying that he seems quite settled, quite happy here. Um, I think he, he wants to win stuff with the club, I think he's enjoying his time. And if we are, if we want to put an offer to him, that is that is reasonable, and I think you I think you'll stick around even longer. I'm I'm not I'm not too worried about it. Yes, there will be interest, hundred percent. Maybe even clubs that geographically are a little bit closer to him because I believe he still lives up in Dundee. But I, <laughs> I, I know that deep down I am worried, but I'm going to say that I'm not worried about it.
1: <laughs> but Enzo, did you not see that one guy on Pine Bovro who said that Dundee would go and buy Simon Murray just uh, just to spite us in the title challenge?
2: Of course, yeah. Dundee fans, of course, uh, famously, famously reliable, just let their club uh, steady and and uh, and predictable. So I, I suppose that that's <laughs> definitely going to definitely going to be happening if a Dundee fan claimed it. <laughs> well, I think I think that's
1: quite a nice segue into um, Owen Coyle's interview after the game. I don't know if you've watched it. I, um, it was excellent as always, and you you talked about that. Uh, Sort of connection between the fans and own Coyle really really gets that despite it. Like Queens obviously a small fan base, but he really is tuned into what that means and how how much it's it's still valued by all the fans and performances that they're putting in. But he also talks on that and hints about the January transfer window the first time, and he does say that if they have um, opportunities to strengthen the squad, that that they'll do so. So I'm really, really intrigued as to what that means and who they potentially have in their in their sights um, for the January transfer window because I don't think at the start of the season that the club would be expecting to be in the position that they are. I think they might have been expecting to be potentially competing for the top four, which obviously we still are, but I don't think they would have expected to have first place within their, within their sights. And I wonder, do you think that changes any mindset towards who they may or may not sign in January?
0: Um, I think, I mean, naturally it's going to, isn't it? For all that you know, we know that the club is very focused and in the future is going to be very focused on developing talent and bringing through like youth players and and everything like that and of course that's to be commended and that's what, I think that's what every fan of any club anywhere wants to see happening Um, but we would be foolish to not look at the league table, which we'll run through very, very shortly, and we'll do our little mid-season review just now as well. But you'd be really daft to look at that league table and not go. Actually, hang on a minute. Let's let's stop pretending we are we're in we're in the hunt here, and to not take the advantage of that and to not look at strengthening the team for the short term. For as much as the club are obviously looking very long term at things, you'd be daft not to look short term and to see if you can bring somebody in that could get us a few extra points and get us us ahead of Dundee
2: into first place. I think Dundee will probably strengthen and if we are trying to keep up with them, which is crazy. I mean, it's absolutely wild that we're only one point... uh, off the top of the league going into 2023, that is insane. No matter how optimistic you were before this season started, nobody realistically thought this is the position that we would be in. But whether you like it or not, we are in a title hunt here. We're not the only team. There's, a, there's probably arguably still three, four, possibly five teams that that will think that they can possibly go on and, and win this league. But we are. And with a little bit of, a little bit of strengthening and a little bit more depth I truly, honestly believe that we can go on to win the championship. And I don't know if either of you saw it, by the way, but there was, I, I came across an interview on, uh, on Twitter the other day with, uh, with Grant Savory. Unfortunately, I couldn't see which paper it was from, but it was a picture of a newspaper article by the person who'd written it. And again, there was no full name of the, the journalist, so all I can say is his name was David. Um, and Grant Savory specifically said, we aren't getting carried away, but we want to get promoted to the premiership. So the players are obviously, you know, that's what that's what they see their their, their goal as. You can see that this this team the team spirit is, is phenomenal. They they genuinely truly believe that they can win the league and I think they can as well, which is just wild to say. I really do. And I think it's just gonna take a little bit more depth and we can we can truly compete right until the end.
1: Yeah, I mean there's no reason why these guys shouldn't think that. Do you know what I mean? They're professional footballers, it's a pretty young squad as well. So there's a lot of guys that are on the up. It's not necessarily I know we've got more experienced players in there but it's a lot of young guys talented with their sort of careers ahead of them in, in, in a lot of respects and they're sitting in this league at this point and they've played every team and they're like we can compete with everyone obviously Dundee are a good side and there's lots of good sides around us who can take points off us as I'm sure they will throughout the season but there's no one team in this league that is running away with it and I don't think that will happen for the rest of the season whether that be us, Dundee or whoever else it may be, Ayr or whoever I don't think any team's going to continue to run away with this league because there is just a lot and lot of parity. And frankly, it is a massive opportunity. How often do you get a championship season where there are so many teams that could reasonably win the league? Especially if you reflect back in the teams that have been in this division over the last few years. There's lots and lots of big teams. And regardless of what Dundee fans might want to think about themselves. There's plenty of bigger clubs that have been cutting around the the championship in the last few seasons in Dundee. So it is it is a great opportunity for someone maybe a wee bit out the norm, like ourselves or an heir or whoever it may be, um, to have a proper go.
2: I think that's a huge, huge point, by the way, because we don't know who's going to get relegated from the premiership this season. It, there's a there's a couple of potential candidates, but you're right. Because if you look over the over the past kind of the past few years, some of the clubs that have been in the championship. Uh, Hearts, Hibs, Rangers, even Kilmarnock These teams, you'd be expecting them to run away with it But there is nobody who before the season Most people would have expected to run away with it I think Dundee were rightfully favourites And I think they, they, they probably still are favourites They should be um, But yeah, th- there's no team who just stands out as, as thinking They're going to win this league by 15-20 points And it's a huge opportunity and, and a really important thing to to remember Is that whilst... Off the pitch, maybe developments have been slow and maybe as a club we are slightly unprepared to be making the step up. The players don't care about that. It's not their job to care about that. Their job is to get the results on the pitch and win trophies and and win championships and, and progress in cups. Um, And, and these, this is a young, hungry group that is going to be looking to do exactly that. And, and I truly believe that they can.
1: Do you know what's... Um, did you see that? I'm sure one of you has posted that actually in the group chat that... Uh, an interview with Owen Coyle and he was referencing the fact that he has had offers from other teams and he's basically said, no, I like it here. And I can totally understand that because he must be, I assume he's getting paid relatively well in comparative to the, the sort of level that we're at in the Scottish hierarchy. But how many clubs in Scotland right now do you have such an opportunity to do something genuinely fresh with the whole behind-the-scenes stuff with Buker, the infrastructure. It's, literally, it's like starting a club from scratch, but with a bucket load of cash behind it, and being able to actually positively progress in the leagues. That opportunity just doesn't happen very often. Because I'd imagine for someone like Coyle, he could probably, at this stage, easily get back into clubs in the lower half of the SPL. But is that more exciting than a team on the up? I'm not convinced it would be.
0: Yeah, I agree with you totally there, Callum. Yeah. Um... There's no other club in Scotland, um, I don't know, aside from the sort of big four, if you will, um in Glasgow and Edinburgh, where you would like why would you, obviously money of course may come into it, and if at the end of the day, see if that's his or indeed any player's motivation, go for it you know there's there's absolutely nothing um sort of sinister. I'm not going to hate anybody for doing that, but if he's into if he's buying into the project in air quotes, if you will, because that's, of course, what the club talk about an awful lot and the, the sort of journey that the club's going to go on. Certainly sounds like Owen Coyle's buying into it. Why would he leave? Where could he possibly get the the kind of, yeah, the challenge or the, yeah, the the template to go and, as you say, sort of build a club, build a team from, from the ground up, essentially, and, and mould it into exactly what he wants?
2: Yeah, and and another thing to consider as well is that obviously Coyle is from the south side of Glasgow, and this is where his family lives, and and he spent a lot of time working abroad, America, India, and and realistically, it's, he's not going to go for of the Celtic or Rangers job, so he would have to start travelling again if it were to go elsewhere. Um, it it seems to me that right now we are an excellent fit for him, as much as he's an excellent fit for us.
0: Yeah, I'd agree with that one hundred percent. Let's take a quick look at the league table and, yeah, let's say a quick mid-season review of, of where we stand now. I know we've talked plenty about it there, but <laughs> the actual standings are as follows. So, currently in first place in the championship is Dundee on 34 points. Queen's Park are now second on 33 points. Ayr in third on 32. Then you have Morton and Partick Thistle both on 30 points. There is then the, the first split in the league, you've got a then gap of 6 points before you go to Wraith, Inverness and Cove, who are 24, 23, 21 points respectively, and then you have Arbroath in ninth and Hamilton in last place, uh, 14 points and eleven. so yeah, you've got ninth and 10th pretty much cut adrift at this moment in time in the championship uh, it would be, I think it would be a surprise I know you said earlier, maybe they could get up, and obviously it's great to see what happens in, in January, but to me, I think it's between those two to fight it out between ninth and tenth. Wraith and Verness Cove, maybe perhaps expect most of them to be in in that position between sixth and eighth. You've then got the the five teams, including ourselves, obviously Dundee, Ayr, Morton, and Partick Thistle. It's it's going to be one hell of a title race between I suppose the five of us. Right,
1: cards on the table. Give me your
2: one, two, three, four. Um. <laughs> right. Okay. I okay. think, I think the top three, and I'm not going to give you my order yet, but I think the top three is going to be us, Dundee, and Thistle.
0: Yep, right. I I'd agree with that. Yep. Queen's uh-huh. Park first, obviously. Like Queen's Parker first. Yeah, right. I'm, I'm, right. Bu- I'm, I'm buying in. I'll, I will put my <laughs> cards on the table. I, I am willing to say, I now, I fully believe that we will or can. Uh, there's a big difference there. I fully believe that we will win the league this year.
2: You go. fully believe that we will, I not mean, that we can. You believe I mean, that we will. I will. I wow, be- I, I love
0: believe, that. I believe that we will. I've said it's done. It's out there. I
2: believe. I have a we- lot. I have a lot of time for that sort of optimism. Right. Okay. Um, my heart says Queens Park first, Dundee second, Thistle third and fourth. I think fourth is a really funny one because. You've obviously got Morton and Air who've had good starts to the season, but Air traditionally kind of run about Christmas, New Year time. They start struggling, and, and that started already this season. Um, Morton are a funny one; a couple of injuries, maybe if they lose their manager, I think they're going to really struggle. But at the same time, you've got clubs like Wraith and Inverness who, if they go on a wee run, I know that I couldn't tell. To be fair, both of them are probably closer to the bottom of the league than top of the league at the minute. I couldn't tell you the last time either of them actually won a game. But if they were to recruit well in January or... or just go in a decent wee run of form. They could end up being up there as well. Uh, Fourth is a really difficult one to call, but I think it'll probably be Air. So, aye. That's two of us have just, I can't believe I'm saying this, but two of us have just predicted that we're going to win the league.
1: Right. Um, I'm not making it three. I feel like that'd be some sort of bad omen and we'd get the blame for if it goes Pete Tong. So, um, I, I think, I do think Dundee might, run away with it because i'm sort of looking to january and i'm thinking who's going to be in a position to strengthen we are dundee are i don't know so much about Thistle, but they've got a pretty decent squad to start with to be honest um so i i think dundee will win the league i think we'll either finish second or third between ourselves and Thistle. i'll go second because we're the biggest club in glasgow these days outside the gruesome twosome um Thistle third and I actually I'm going to have a bit of an odd, I think Inverness will sneak up the league because at some point they're going to get some players back Um and I feel like Morton will fall away and I'm hoping that Akiniemi will get sold to somebody in January and without him there'll be a bit of a loose cannon so I'm going to go Inverness sitting in fourth with uh, yeah, Morton and Air missing out
0: See, I, I think that's, well, I'm not sure about Inverness, but I think I agree with Enzo's top four. Um, I think that's probably how it'll look for me. I mean, in terms of the mid-season review, and obviously we're. let's have a look at sort of Queen's Park results in the first 18 games of the season. Ten wins, three draws, five defeats. You were talking about the goal difference. We are, I'm um, looking at the league table right now, so we are the third top goal scorers in the league. Um... Partick Thistle scored 40. Ayr have scored 38. We've scored 36. In terms of the goal difference, so it's it's quite close between everybody in the league. You've got Morton have conceded 19. Dundee have conceded 20. But then everybody else, bar uh, Hamilton have conceded 37. Partick Thistle have actually conceded 33. Everybody else has conceded out between 26 to 28 goals. So it's pretty even there. So we're actually pretty average in terms of goals conceded and we're slightly above average in terms of the goals scored but for me the the reason I believe that we will go on and win the league is because when you look at our results in particular our losses yes okay we've lost to Dundee and Ayer particularly but if we can just the last couple of games that we're going to go and play them in this season, if we can just take some points in those games, we're already dealing with everybody below us. I say aside from the, the defeat up to uh, away to Cove on the, on the Friday night on the telly, it's been Ayr, Morton, who obviously went and started that, very good run of form, Dundee, and Air. So, you know, if we can just turn a couple of those games around and continue doing what we're doing against the rest of the league, that will be enough to bring up, that'll be enough to let us ahead of Dundee as it stands at this moment in time and to lift that trophy at the end of the season. <laughs> so, Maybe. Um, oh, Maybe. God, that's, that actually oh. sounds, that sounds frightening to say that. Um yeah. but, that, that, uh, but that's all it's going to take. It's just a couple of those wee games and and that's, it's, it's as easy as that, Queen's Park. Come on. It's just as easy as that. Just, just
1: <laughs> score all the goals and win all the games and we'll do it.
2: Oh, dear. Right, aye. So, let me let me ask you another question then. Would you both agree that then at this point in the season the team who has maybe overachieved compared to what you thought is Ayr, and the team who's underachieved compared to what you were expecting when we kind of did our predictions at the start of the season is Inverness?
1: I think the team that's overachieved the most for me is Morton.
0: Yes. i agree more with Mort- than,
1: more than anybody. Um I didn't think that they would be I thought they'd potentially... I kind of, did I have them last? No, I think I had them second last. You both had them last, actually. Um, I think, I Martin Morton are definitely the overachievers for me. Probably agree on Inverness. I think there's a bit of context to the Inverness one, though, which is slightly different. I'm maybe a wee bit surprised by Thistle not being further up I know they are objectively closer, just sitting in fifth and just a few points behind. But I thought they'd maybe be a wee bit better because I actually do think if you write down their squad on paper, it's a pretty decent team. Um, and I didn't expect to drop off from our bros to the extent that they have. I thought they'd be solidly mid-table, but they look very toothless. Um, I didn't expect it to fall as much as that.
0: Yeah, I would. I would definitely agree with our bros. The, the 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 scale of the drop off, as you say, from what they've achieved last season, obviously. I think you could probably expect there would have been a little bit of a hangover, but certainly not to the the degree that they are struggling and find themselves so far down the table. They've only scored thirteen goals in nineteen games in the league. They are in in real trouble there. So they are definitely the sort of the yeah biggest disappointment, if you will. Um, and yeah, for me again, Morton. The, they've obviously fell down the table a little bit now, but spent plenty of time ahead of us in the league. They went on that brilliant run um, sort of October and November where. Did they not win? Was it not like seven or eight games or something like that? Or well,
2: un- they're still undefeated since game. then. They still they're have
0: still undefeated. Oh well, there you go then. So they're actually still on that run. Um, yeah, a couple of draws most recently. Um, they lost in the the trust the SBFL Trust Trophy. Uh, but yeah, obviously say you to yeah, undefeated still since. Let me see. Well, uh, I was I'm just going to say
2: technically they didn't lose in that um, in the the Trust Trophy either because it went straight to penalties after the ninety minutes, so it probably be recorded as a draw. So. Yeah. I they're so on yeah. a good run, which will come to an end eventually. And and the trouble is it'll come to the end and it'll it'll come to an end and, and you've got so they there just waiting to leapfrog them. In fact they're on they're on the same points now as well. So I, I think I think they will probably finish fifth or sixth come the end of the season as well, realistically.
0: Yeah, I think that's reasonable to expect that, yeah.
2: And um another another one that's that's kinda obviously we're talking about the, the top of the table, but the, the bottom of the table is relatively interesting too. I mean there's only three points between them. <laughs> Ninth and tenth, and and I really think if either Wraith, Inverness, Cove, if either of them, any of them, go on a bad run, they could potentially be dragged into a wee bit of a, a wee bit of a, um, a wee bit of a uh, relegation fight at the, at the bottom of the table as well. The only trouble is, I think Aki's are just Aki's are starting to look doomed to me.
1: Aye, they've got a goal difference of like negative twenty one, I think they're at currently. They've only scored sixteen goals, conceded thirty seven. So unless they do something wild. Um they're going to be, yeah, doomed, I think is the correct word.
2: It's been an exciting league so far, though, and uh, and we're only halfway through. So it's going, to be, it's going to be very, very interesting to see how the next the next few months go as well.
0: That's one. That is absolutely true. Um, it's always a great league, the Championship. It's one of those classic Scottish football cliches, isn't it? But the Championship's always a bit of a wild uh, league. It's just good that not only we are in it, but we are as we say, very much in the hunt. And well, as me and Enzo say, we've already got one hand on the trophy. So there we go. (laughs) uh, That's our sort of uh, mid-season review there. Let's have a quick look. There wasn't an awful lot of news in terms of other matches to sort (laughs) of catch up on results. Obviously, the the big threes a couple of weeks ago kind of put paid to football pretty much all across the country. So there was no um, women's games or any of the young QP or anything like that. The only um, news update was a bit of an unfortunate one of course um, regarding where we're going to be playing our games for the next month maybe two months or so we'll obviously need well, to see what else was comes only two out. There
2: was only two games it was confirmed wasn't it?
0: Yeah but of course we need to wait and see how it goes yeah, yeah, I know. Of course, with the change uh, with the announcement and a fixture change um, it's a a pretty long January ahead for Queen's Park fans, so it was um, posted by the club, it was back on the 20th of December last week um, where it was confirmed that obviously the club had been in discussions with the uh, probably fair to assume in discussions with the SFA about the use of Hamden have been denied further use of Hamden for the time being. So it means that we're going to be heading back to View for the game against Partick Thistle on January the 2nd and for our SPFL Trust Trophy tie against Wraith Rovers, which is going to be the midweek game uh, Wednesday the 11th of January. Obviously, first of all, before we talk about the actual sort of fixture change and, and everything else there, just... We, are, I think we, you know, we definitely enjoyed going back to Hamden. It was obviously great, particularly the the Hamilton game, the the effort that was put in by the club to get you know as many people through the door, and obviously seeing you know the, the the school tickets and and the community club tickets and everything like that. It was it was great to have a good crowd there. We did we perhaps get a little bit carried away with thinking, oh yeah, we could be back here. That'll be us, no bother, and. In a word, is it? I mean, it's fair to say disappointing. Would you go with a a stronger word than that from having to go back to Aquaview this season, Callum?
1: I wouldn't go stronger than disappointing. I mean, the club never committed to it going past the games that that we were there. I think we can all see that Leicester isn't ready. So I'd kind of set my expectations around that a wee bit. Obviously, the, the hope was that maybe you could use Hamden for a wee bit longer. It is frustrating um perception wise. Again, I think everyone was kind of hoping for a, a January return to Lesser. Um, but clearly that's not gonna happen for the for the first few weeks at least. And it's it's not ideal having two Glasgow teams traipsing up to, to Steny for a, a game which if it were held at Hamden would have been pretty huge turnout, I think. Especially for that time of year. It would have been pretty perfect for it. So it is, it is disappointing, I just, for me at this point, I feel like I've got the, I can see the finish line a wee bit now, which I haven't felt like for a long period this season in terms of moving back to um, the south side permanently. So I've got a wee bit more, I guess, time and optimism around the situation despite it being less than ideal because you can see the work at Leicester progressing to an extent that it, it will be finished, hopefully relatively soon so I think that kind of overrides the the frustrations for me at this stage like I'm not I, I don't expect this to be there for months and months and months anymore. It feels like it will be kind of short term so hopefully that is the case. and also I mean as fickle as football fans are I'm myself included in that. I'm just enjoying the football so much that um I'm not as frustrated by the the stadium situation currently. Um, but if we're still there in March then maybe come back to me
2: I, I mean there's obviously there's a lot we could say about this and this has been quite a positive episode in general so so I don't want to get too, too bogged down in the kind of negatives of, of the whole situation um, the only thing that I will say I suppose which is kind of ridiculous is that there'll be a bigger crowd at Oakleview than what there would have been at Lesser since it holds more and that's not saying much, I mean Lesser is obviously far far too small to the extent that it's arguably bordering on not fit for purpose but it is what it is and we're going to have to make do with it and uh, yeah I really really enjoyed the games back at Hamden I was I was hoping we could get at least this one as well before being forced to go back to Steny I I think for a game at Hamden it's been a long time since Thistle even got to like a a cup semi-final or played us at Hamden so I think they would have brought a uh they'd have been a, a big travelling travelling. I use that word lightly since they're based across the road basically but there'd have been a bigger way support of that. Um we could have possibly seen three, four thousand people at that game, maybe even more, I don't know. But I suppose, I think I think it's on the same day as the old firm so that'd maybe limit the number of neutrals. But um yeah, it's it is frustrating. Leicester's, uh, Leicester's almost ready. Even if it is ridiculously small, at least it's just a matter of time before we are back home. I just uh I have I have a lot of concerns about the, the capacity of lesser. I think it's um I just don't think it's anywhere near big enough. I've I walk past it quite regularly. I did again today as well, and it just it just feels so so small. And unless we're gonna be putting in a couple of temporary stands, it's gonna be problematic moving forward, but I'd I'd rather be in the south side than 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 not. So yeah, fingers crossed but we're not gonna be waiting too much longer.
0: Yeah. Um I think that the capacity issue with, with Leicester is it's not going to go away until some kind of next stage plans are, are kind of announced by the club. It's it's good that we, I suppose, have actually had the, the kind of update and the the notice from, obviously it's addressed as um, you know club president David Hunter, obviously putting that post out, uh, announcing the the move back to Ockelview for now. It's good to get that because it has been an issue that we've spoken about who knows how many times? I know you said, Enzo, it's a positive episode. We'll move on very, very shortly. But that's been an issue that we've spoken about a number of times. I think everybody knows the issues we've had there. Again, perhaps that's just a bit more of a, a step in the right direction. Um, I'll ask you this question first, Callum, because you said come back to me in March. Would you take... Just at like, and, and, of course, Enzo, you said you're desperate to get back to the south side as well. I mean, we all are. But would you take Ocoview for the rest of the season if the club got the capacity issue slightly resolved, I don't know how much it could be resolved in you know, the time it would take for next season, but say there was you know, plans announced to build a you know, particular stand at the north end of, of Lesser-Hamden, because that's where the most space is, would you take four or five months back at Oakleview plus, of course, the, the summer, if those issues were addressed this year?
1: I'd probably... Um... Mm, yeah, I would because I think i I understand the challenges that they're they're facing. There's clearly a lot of a lot of issues at play with the stadium in loads of fronts. um, and I kind of I get that. I think the, for me, I would accept that so long as there's a clearly articulated plan and timeline given to fans so that we understand what is going on. That's really just been my fundamental gripe all along with the, the whole stadium situation is can you communicate to the fans properly what the plan is and the sort of timelines around it. And even if those laps, if you have those sort of consistent communications with the fans, then you can you have a wee bit more time for it. Um if that was done indefinitely without any communication and sort of description as to what was happening, then that would be very frustrating. Um but hopefully that that isn't the case. But yeah, I mean, uh, I want Leicester to be as good as possible, so that that would be my priority. And it's kind of like sunk cost fallacy, isn't it? Like at this stage, what's an extra an extra period of time if it results in a much better outcome in the end? Um, but yeah, I think they th- they are going to have to do something, and maybe 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 we'll hear a wee bit more because I know there's there's an AGM tomorrow, is it? Um, yeah, the twenty eighth of December. Yep. Yeah. So that's invariably that's going to come up and I'm sure we'll discuss maybe a wee bit about that next week um, once, it, once it's happened. So it'll be, it'll be interesting to hear what, um, what comes out of that.
2: I actually, I think I disagree with you, Calend. do you know that? I think I would rather get back to Lesser as soon as possible regardless because I really practically don't think there's much of a difference between a capacity of 1,000 or a capacity of, let's say, 1,500. I think both are too small. Um, so unless unless we're talking about plans to at least double, possibly treble the capacity, then I really don't think it's going to make much of a difference and I just want to get back as soon as possible. But yeah, hopefully hopefully we'll get some more information shortly. Um, what I will say is that I think it looks really good if if you're not focusing on the actual, the size of it. I think that the, that we stand looks really tidy. I think the pitch, obviously we've talked about that before, looks incredible um, and, and I'm sure it's going to be great. Just uh, yeah, it's just it's just the capacity that's really in question at this point, isn't
0: it? and, and as you both say, we've also got the AGM due this um, this week, the Wednesday, the twentieth of December. So I'm sure we'll hear some some news through the grapevine for club members that attend there, and I don't know if the club will post what, what's spoken about as well. But we will keep an eye out there, and of course, any news that we, that we hear about, we will um, we'll have it either on Twitter or yeah, we'll, we'll be do- talking about it in depth as much as we can. Uh, in next week's episode. That's really the, the only news roundup, so let's move right on to looking to next the next game, which is the, the sort of new Glasgow derby, if we shall, through in Larbert, but it is going to be Partick Thistle at Aukleview, Monday the 2nd of January. We ran through the league table obviously earlier on, but just to recap, we are currently sitting second place, 33 points. Partick Thistle's sitting... Joint fourth on 30 points. So we could obviously have a, a decent impact on the table should Thistle get a result there. Obviously our last, we can't talk about coming up to play Partick Thistle this time without going back to the last game. Obviously back through it for Hill. Um, an excellent performance, 4-0. That was the start of Thistle's, or that was during perhaps Thistle's pretty poor run. They've kind of done a wee bit better recently. They've picked up a few wins and a, a draw Three wins and a draw in their last four league games. But prior to that, they were on one hell of a skid, weren't they?
1: Aye, but they've 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 started scoring again though, which is the, the 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 trouble because Thistle at the start of the season scored a shed load of goals and their goal difference was a bit nuts, and then they obviously went on that horrendous run and they've kind of picked it up again. And even their five-one against Inverness, five different scorers, so lots of guys kicking about. Um but the and they they got um, three against air as well, so I think it's going to be a really good game. I'm I'm so looking forward to it. two teams that are scoring a shedload of goals on a good run of form. Like it's get it's get everything that suggests that it should be a high scoring, entertaining game. Um, it's just what way the the sort of dice falls in terms of who who ends out on top.
2: Yeah, so you're right in saying that obviously Thistle have showed signs of improvement recently after what was a pretty a pretty horrific run of form where I think McCall was maybe even in danger of losing his job at one point. And I know that there were definitely some Thistle fans who, who wanted rid of him. Um he's probably won back their support again at least temporarily anyway, but it is worth mentioning that those wins were against an Air team. Now granted Air hadn't lost yet, but they've now lost two in a row. I think here were always going to fall away at some point. I know that maybe some people will disagree with me, but, but traditionally here have this habit of having a really good first half of the season and then collapsing entirely. That was always going to happen eventually, I think. And I think Inverness are just rubbish. I think we should be favourites getting into this game. And I really think that the, the important thing... Is that we take the game to them we don't we don't stand off we don't give them any respect what whatsoever and, and we try to play against them the same way we would play against anybody else and, and, and maybe they will score one or two but i think we'll score three or four if they do and uh, i'm i'm optimistic i really am and i think if we can get a win it would be re- a win either way here actually will be huge for either side moving into january and, and beyond
0: it does look like we are indeed um, bookies favourites. Uh, please gamble responsibly, but we are indeed bookies favourites at this moment in time. Uh, my my bookmaker of choice has us at twenty three to twenty. The draw at twelve to five, and Partick Thistle at nine to five. So we are looking pretty heavily favoured there. Um, as you say, um, their most recent game, Calma and Vaness, where they had five different goal scorers. Uh, I've seen a. They've made a few posts recently on Twitter. It looks like they are trying to big up Brian Graham, who seems to come on in back into a little bit of form. He's still behind Simon Murray in the goal-scoring charts in the league, but so he's not all that. But yeah, they've got a lot of. They have got a lot of players in that sort of top. I don't know twenty or so uh, top goal scorers get Brian Graham on eight. Uh, Anton Douds, who doesn't seem to get an awful lot of game time. I don't know how. How much he's played, perhaps recently, to be honest, but still got six goals, and I think most of them are coming off the bench. So he's a bit of a a dangerous player. We also saw a bit of him uh, last season, and then of course he did well at Arbroath when he was with them for the first half of last year as well. Lawless, um, Harry Milne obviously coming in and, and and scoring a few goals as well. He's per- ta- perhaps perhaps the, the the danger man, would you say, or one of the biggest ones to watch out for, even though he's at left back. I think he's. I
1: think he's decent. I think th- this is what I was saying earlier. Like I, Thistle do have a decent squad. Do you know what I mean? I think he McCall's managed them poorly for a big chunk of the season, but they've got a lot of guys that can put the ball in. the net I, I really dislike Brian Graham as a footballer. He's everything that I don't like. Um, he dives all the time. He's just I I'm, I'm not a fan of him, but he does have that knack of scoring goals. Um, so no, I, th- I think it will be a. I think it will be a pretty decent game. And I'm not... You're very confident, Enzo. I mean, to be fair, you, I'm you, not. You, you usually are, but like, I'm I'm a wee bit more concerned about this. But I think I'm maybe getting into my, into my head a bit about the magnitude of this game because you hear the, oh, six-pointer. But it's like a six-pointer in terms of both ways in the league because Dundee are playing our both, right? So let's just go on the assumption Dundee are at home. They're going to extend their winning run, So that puts them up to 37. So if we lose this game, that puts us at 33 and it puts Thistle on 33. And then suddenly your focus switches right back to staying in the playoff spots as opposed to sort of striving for first. So, um yeah, big, 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 big game.
2: I think it's interesting that you mention Harry Milne, actually, because he's a player who's, he's, if you ask any Thistle fan, he's a player that they're really excited to have, and, and he's been pretty good for them by all accounts this season. However when they've played against us, he's been rubbish and Dom Thomas has ripped up to shreds both times mm-hmm. so far. So he could turn up or Thomas could just, it, yeah, I don't know. It's it's, a, it's an interesting, it's certainly an interesting matchup anyway, but I have every confidence in, in Thomas's ability to to skin him rotten every time, if I'm being perfectly honest with you. I, I don't know if it's, I don't know, I just have, I have a lot of faith in this team right now, and, and do you know what it, do you know, I think part of the reason for it is, see, over, see this we run our games that we've had where we've, we've won what is it, six in a row now? There's been a couple of games I've gone into and I've gone, oh, this is a real banana skin, this is a bit, and we've, we've turned up and we've just, we've just walked through them, and I think Thistle they're a good team I, I just think, I think we're a better team and I think, I think we've got the, the drive and the motivation right now, and I feel quite confident that that we have it in us to yeah i think i think we'll we'll get the job done i think it'll be a, i think it will be a close game but i think we'll get the job done
0: yeah we'll definitely be relying on the the sort of front three again certainly from last week simon murray dom thomas you just mentioned and grant savory um they loved banging them in for fun recently and uh, we'll definitely need that this coming monday uh, grant savory who by the way while we are recording has been named as the spfl team of the week star man as well. You were looking for that a few weeks ago for Simon Murray, were you not, Enzo, and you were quite disappointed. So Grant Savory's got it this week.
2: Yeah, and uh it was it was well deserved. I thought he was I thought he was excellent and that um, proves that I was right when I said he was man of the match and you two were wrong.
0: <laughs> <You laughs> I we a... <laughs> <SPFL, are you? laughs> no, definitely respectively go back and change our, our votes here, Calm. It looks like we've been done in there. Ugh,
1: it's fine, it's fine. That's uh, different awards for different people, keep everyone involved. Yeah,
0: aye, that's right, that's fair. Right then, so let's look at our score predictions. Uh Calm, give us an update on the table. We all predicted a win, didn't we? Did anybody get four one or get the correct goal scorer?
1: Mm, no, I was I had three one, Enzo had three 0 David you had two 0 Um, Enzo you had Savory first goal scorer, David we both had Murray. So just a point for everybody. So Enzo's still winning with 20. David, you are in second with 17, and I am miles away on 16. So it is my turn to predict first again. So I'm gonna go I'm gonna go the exact same score as last week. I think well, as I predicted last week, I'm gonna go 3-1 Queens and I'm gonna continue with Murray as first goal scorer because it will happen and in the week that I don't do it, so I'm going to continue with Murray's first goal scorer and I think you're right Enzo, I think Dom Thomas is going to have Milne at some point so I'm going to have Dom Thomas getting one and Jack Thompson um, with some mad Zidane turn followed by a Thunderbolt into the top corner
0: All right, then Um, I am going to go for a repeat of the victory over Thistle at Ockleview, I'm going to go for 3-2 Queen's Park give me first goal scorer Grant Savory and I'll also take Simon Murray and give me somebody a little bit different Uh, it depends who's going to play right back actually I don't know if we'll maybe see a change Davidson played pretty well against Arbroath I don't really see any reason to to drop him for for anybody else so give me Jake Davidson
2: cool Enzo what was your prediction Cal I'm sorry 3-1 3-1, Three one, right, okay, so I I was gonna go three one, but um sorry. Um, no that's fine. I uh, I'm gonna go with something daft. That's I not think like it. uh it's not like me. Um ugh, I, don't, I, I actually don't know because three I, I kinda fancy us to score three. I don't want to drop down to two, so I'm gonna have to go up to four. So I <laughs> so I think we'll win four one. Cool uh, I repeat I repeated their both score, yep. And uh, the same number of goals that we put past them up at How? Listen, I might come on here next week or or it's the Monday, so it's actually feels a little bit further away than what it than what it normally would, but um I might come on here with my tail between my legs because this has all just gone totally wrong. But I, I just have the confidence which I have in this team is uh, aye, it's it's um, it's <laughs> it's frightening to be honest with you. So I, I'm going to go with four one, and I think first scorer Tom Thomas, two for Murray. And the thing is, I want to go with someone different, but I really don't because Sa- Murray, Thomas, and Savory are just scoring so consistently now that I, I'm just going to go with I'm going to go with Savery again. The same scorers as our broth as well, except um, Murray getting two and Savory just getting the one this week. Cool. And then
0: elsewhere in the uh, the championship on the second of January. Let's just see what else we've got. We have got Dundee taking on our broth, Hamilton, Wraith, Inverness, and Cove, and Morton Air. So probably Morton Air looks like certainly the best game out of the the rest of them. You going to predict any surprises, Are you get anything wild for us there uh, to start
2: twenty twenty three, Enzo? So <laughs> actually, yes, Great. <Right>. Okay, <laughs> and you're going to you you're all going to think I'm. Um, at it right, but I think what's going to happen at Den's Park is our both have been getting scudded quite consistently recently, right? I know that they, they lost four one to us, and, and they um, did they not lose five one to uh, Dunfermline a couple of weeks ago as well. I know they get, I know they got a point against uh, against Wraith last week, but anyway, <clears throat> I think our both are going to go to Den's Park. I think they're going to frustrate them, and I think they'll park the bus and either get a nil nil or a one each.
1: I mean that would be very good if that happened. I don't see it. Um, but that that, that, that would be favourable. I'm not I don't know if I've got anyone's Cove v. Inverness, would it be an upset if Cove beat Inverness? Probably not. Not um, at all. That's a for that. Hamilton Wraith, I mean I just you just can't see Hamilton winning a game at this point. Um yeah. I d I don't think there's gonna be any mad upsets in this one unless you see us putting many, many goals past thistles and upset, so no, I think it might go. It might go pair of the bookies this week.
0: I I would love to agree with Enzo and see Dundee dropping points, but this week I don't think is the week for that. But I hope I'm coming back when we're tuning in for next week's episode. And I'm apologising to you for not believing in you.
2: Well, listen, I've got a reputation to maintain here, right? So
1: yeah,
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're certainly uh, sticking true to form there. Um, Not that your form's very good but you're sticking to it and and that's to be commended at least (laughs) so that um that pretty much rounds up everything we've got left to discuss obviously we are right in the festive period and you'll be back at work but either you get any um big plans for seeing in the new year
1: no, nothing, nothing particularly fancy from me. Um, but just a, one, one note to add, just on a slightly sadder note, we've talked about the the community side of Queen's Park and people involved in the club. Um, of course. But I thought, I thought I'd just mention that uh, we, we had the sad passing of Ian Harrow, who's a, a Queen's Park fan. He supported the club for 63 years. And his parents were Queen's fans. And um, when you talk about the importance of... Growing fan bases and bringing people into the into the club. Um, Ian brought my my dad along at a Queens game when he was seventeen. My Dad didn't really support a football team, and subsequently, my dad got my my brother and I involved, and we got we got you involved, David. So there's there, there's a lot to be uh, thankful for or angry at Ian about for that respect. But um, Ian was Ian's been going to games all his life, um, and and sadly passed away just before Christmas. So. Um, yeah, that's that's sad. So condolences to um, his family um, in a and a particularly difficult period just before Christmas. Who um, will be a, a a big loss.
0: Yep, absolutely, very well said. And and of course, uh, it was nice to see as well that the club got in touch as well and sort of sent a letter to um, to his family. I believe that he, wasn't that right, Calum? Sort of yeah, that's there. correct. Right. There as well. So yeah, a, a, a nice touch again for the club. But yeah, absolutely. You know, um, uh, condolences to To his family and and friends, um, ourselves included there in that, Callum, yeah. Right, well, um, that will do it for this week's episode. Thank you very much to everybody for tuning in, and Callum and Enzo, it has been a pleasure as always. You will, of course, find us on Twitter at Spiders Talk Pod and in all the threads on Pie and Bottle related to Queen's Park. Thank you very much for listening, and we'll see you all again next year.
2: Cheers! Bye. Thanks for listening. The friendly.
0: The for the sake of the game. Play for the sake of the game.